The Velvet Hammer, an inside look at trial lawyer life with Karen Kohler. Real life stories about fighting the good fight. I always felt a little bit like an outsider when I went to law school. Sometimes not so little. I went to Puget Sound School of Law, which was in downtown Tacoma, about a 40 45 minute drive from where I lived in Seattle because I didn't get into the University of Washington because I was a disco mania driven person all through college. And plus I hated college. I went to college to go to law school. I went to law school to become a lawyer. I didn't care about school. And I'm not saying that my way is the right way, but I want to take you through my journey, which may be a little bit different of a journey on how I became a lawyer. When I was younger in college, because I'd always known I wanted to be a lawyer since I was about 12 years old, uh, there was a time when I was hoping that my mom would clerk me because you could clerk in Washington State. That means you don't have to go to law school. You just have to get a BA. And if you find someone that's willing, they can teach you how to be a lawyer You have to do a bunch of stuff, but you don't have to go to law school. And I didn't do it because I was scared of law school. I did it because I just wanted to be a lawyer with, and I didn't care about the hoity-toity part of it. But, and my mom was pretty open to it. But ultimately, I realized that clerking for my mom would not be a great idea. I was already doing legal intern type of work for her had been for a a while since I was 18 and it wasn't a healthy atmosphere Uh, because as you've probably heard through the podcast, she was very chaotic and difficult to work for, although brilliant and also creative and fun. But the chaos of her practice I thought would, would, wasn't going to serve me well. And so I ended up going to law school. So I'd make the drive. (laughs) I refused to live in Tacoma Hated Tacoma. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tacomaans. It stunk like putridness. Um, it was by a pulp mill, still is, and just at inopportune times, haphazardly throughout the day, your nostrils would just be filled with stench. And that's kind of what I felt about the law school experience. Now, I didn't completely hate it. When I started law school, I was so far ahead of my classmates because I've been practicing law kind of for four years. And where it really showed up was just at the very beginning, civil procedure 101. And no one knew what civil procedure was, but I did because I knew how to file documents. I knew how to go down to the courthouse, stand in line, stamp them, file them. And I knew how to serve. I had served people with service of process before. I knew how to draft a summons. I knew how to create legal pleadings and draft complaints. And I'd done this kind of stuff before. So it was interesting to me to look at what the genesis was for what the pragmatic part of dealing with a case was like in terms of the processing part of it, civil procedure. I found it an interesting intellectual exercise, but I, I, I didn't really get, get anything out of it that I couldn't have gotten out of just reading a book. 
the first year of law school, and they sat us alphabetically in sections. So this is where I met my best friend, Rosemary McCauley, MC, and I was KO, uh, who I sat next to um, in civil procedure and other classes, as in all of them, that first uh, year. Um, the group around me, the H's through the M's, uh, we became extremely close in terms of being in school. To this day, I have one friend from law school, that's Rosemary McCauley. <laughs> I don't think I have kept any of the other friendships. Uh, but when you're in law school, you have friendships and you, and you have friendships because you sit in the library and study together. Now, this is where the outsider part came in. I didn't like to sit in the library and study with other people. I would do it in between classes. But other than that, I wanted to get out of Tacoma and the smell as fast as I could and get back home to Seattle. So I could go disco, which I continue to do about three days a week, all the way through law school. The classmates that I was close to were filled with anxiety and fear. They had a wild look in their eyes that they tried to hide, and it never went away the entire first year. They were so disoriented. It's like they had been plucked out of normal life and put into a land where nothing made sense. They couldn't get it. it didn't, they didn't have anything to anchor their knowledge to. It was foreign. And... The thing is, is that the professors relished that. I can remember how happy the professors were to see everybody sitting there rigidly, putting their head down so that the teacher wouldn't call on them because back then we had Socratic method, involuntary Socratic method. Several people quit that first semester. I can remember at least one person crying and many people passing or they actually, you weren't allowed to pass, but just saying they, 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 they didn't have the answer. Total humiliation. So they don't know what they're doing. They're being called on randomly and the professors are just relishing it. There's no professor that apologized for it. Like, oh gosh, I know you must be angry. You know, none of this uh, nice stuff back then. It was all we're going to ferret out the people that don't belong here. We're going to be really hard on you. And we don't care that, that you don't know what you're doing. Eventually it's going to make sense. Otherwise it won't. That was kind of the thing. The teachers didn't really worry about if you got it, the teachers just taught. And it was up to you to figure out what they were saying, why it mattered and to get in line at the knowledge door and knock and hopefully it would be open to you. So I was a bit of an outsider. I was a bit of an outsider, not just because mentally I had been through law school, <laughs> through my mother's law school, uh, but I was, I was out of sync because I didn't feel like everybody else. I just wanted to be a lawyer because I knew you could be a lawyer and not have to uh, be a sedate um, person who only talked in very legalese and, you know, fit a mold. My mother was a lawyer and she was completely not in any mold. And that's what I grew up with. So I was very relaxed about it. I didn't have a mold that I needed to fit in. The only mold I wanted to fit in was being a disco dancer. So because I was a pretty starving student and had been for a while, 
I uh, had a lot of clothing, but it was primarily disco clothing. I couldn't afford anything else. So I would go to school in, uh, well, sometimes I'd wear blazers because that was my style. Blazers and leggings. Correct. In the 80s, I wore leggings and blazers to law school. I also wore a lot of mini skirts with with heels. My favorite pair of heels that I can remember astonishing people with was a turquoise pair of strappy sandals that wrapped up gladiator sandal-like up to half uh, of my uh, calf. And I would clip-clop, clip-clop, clip-clop down the halls. Never did I wear anything similar to Rosemary who actually wore penny loafers. Penny loafers? I never knew that penny loafers meant that there was a penny in the loafer. So law school. I had some impressions of law school that were not traditional, and I had expectations out of law school that were unlike most of my peers. Many of my peers were very focused on their grades, more power to them, and um, making sure that they didn't make fools of themselves when they were going to be called on. I didn't care about my grades. I just wanted to make sure that I learned everything because I was paying for it. And... uh, Uh, I did find it interesting. There's a reason that I'm a lawyer. I like reading and there's a lot of history involved in the law and, and the history is the stories behind the, the rules of the law and then why there's rules of law. To me, that's really interesting. So call me a nerdly. I am in terms of law stuff. So I like that part of it, but I didn't like the rest of it. I like the substantive part of learning the books, but I didn't like the rest of it. Some of the professors were good. None of them were memorable except maybe one or two. I really liked, don't ask me why, my property professor. Uh, Don't ask me why. I liked liked him and I took multiple classes later on through him. And I really liked David Scover, my con law professor. Those were it. I couldn't tell you anything about my other professors. Well, here's what I didn't like about law school. Number one, it wasn't geared towards me. It wasn't geared towards someone who just really just wanted to learn the law and uh, not have a whole bunch of nonsense thrown in besides. And so just so just let me give you an example. I used to belong to the WAC, Washington Athletic Club, downtown Seattle. I drive in there. I take the elevator up to the sixth floor. I change in the beautiful women's locker room managed by the wonderful uh, attendants. Don't ask me why, all of whom are Filipino. Lovely, but don't ask me why, all of them Filipino. I represented at least two of them later. And then I would go to uh, one of two workout rooms, come back to the sixth floor, go back down. And I stayed that way for several years until I thought, this is just there's just too much folderol. And I never did anything else in there. I didn't go to the this or that or this function or this networking. I just, I just wanted to go work out. So I had a gym closer to the house at this time. This is when my kids were little and I lived on the plateau and it was in a storefront. You walked in the door. There were nothing. There was nothing. The machines were on one side and the cardio was on the other side and you just did it and left. There weren't even, there weren't even locker rooms. There was just a place to put your stuff and then leave. I love that place. So for law school, there was a whole bunch of stuff there that I didn't use, that I didn't respect or need, that meant nothing to me. Number one, 
These are some of my dislikes. I didn't like how elitist the administration was and how geared towards big firm. I didn't really understand why I didn't like it because I didn't spend enough time figuring it out. It wasn't important to me. I just knew that I didn't like it. It seemed snobby to me. It seemed like they catered to big firms, money givers, um, people or entities that they could get something out of to show how uh, fantastic the school was, not because of something the school was doing, but the fact of the sponsorship. The fact that they could get a great sponsorship meant that they must be a great school. I, I found that to be unimpressive. The ivory towerness of the school was there, although I knew that this school had nothing to be ivory tower about. Um, it was in an old, uh, I can't remember the name of the store, but in it, an old store in downtown Tacoma, we can, we got from each floor, floor to floor by escalators that went up the middle because again, it had been a department store. So there wasn't a lot to be snobbery or ivory tower about, and yet somehow they managed to instill that even so. I know that the school has been sold ever since the Seattle U, and I won't talk about Seattle U taking over since I wasn't there for Seattle U. In fact, when Seattle U bought the school, again, I went to a school that no longer exists, that used to be <laughs> in a department store. When Seattle U took the school over, they sent me a new diploma. It said Seattle U, and I thought, well, I didn't graduate from Seattle U, why would I want to have the Seattle U diploma? I graduated from Puget Sound. Both of those diplomas are somewhere at the bottom of some drawer somewhere because why would I put them up on my wall? What, what? I'm a lawyer. What do I need to put that on the wall for? I think if you're coming in to see me, you know, know that I'm a lawyer. Anyway, I digress. This whole kind of snobby, elitist, um, do these things and you too can join the upper echelons of being in a big law firm or aspire to the greatness of <gasps> becoming a partner, whatever that means. Um, these were the kind of goals that were instilled in law school. And as a much, you know, 36 years, 35 years, 36 years later, what I regret about that for the law school, not for me, because I didn't know any better. But what I feel sad about for the law school was that they should never have been celebrating the donors or people that were partners for the sake of being partners, but they should have celebrated people who changed the world through the law. Those moments to celebrate those type of people were few and far between. You don't see names of lawyers who changed the world on the doors of the law school classes that are um, put in tribute to lawyers. You see the names of the donors. You see the names of the law firms who donated to the school. Think about that. That's the model that I didn't like. It didn't, and it's not even that I consciously knew why. I just didn't connect to it, and I felt like an outsider because I didn't care about that. I just wanted to be a lawyer. The other thing I never understood was the goal to be a clerk. 
and to have a clerkship with the court. Now, I know it's fantastic. I think that, I mean, Paul Stripman are my law firm, Paul Whalen, my law firm. Um, so many people I know did clerkships and they loved it. I think that that's cool. Uh, but why, why again, what, what, what is that? And why is that? And do you know that most of them weren't ever paid or if they were paid, it was in infinitesimal. I have a thing about clerkships, externships, internships, where the person who is doing that uh, work is not paid a dime or has to go across the country for this you know, very wonderful clerkship, put themselves up and take a negative for that. You know what that breeds? That breeds non-diversity. Because unless you have the wealth to a stand not getting paid or actually having to go in the negative to make a clerkship or externship or internship work, it's not going to happen. Now, there's some programs, including of course, by the big law firms who need to meet their diversity quotients, who will uh, pay. And that's fine. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the unpaid ones. It boggles my mind that a law firm would take on an intern and not pay them or that a judge would knowingly have an extern or an intern working for them who wasn't getting paid. It's shameful. And yet, the law schools celebrate these opportunities. The law schools should band together and prevent that from happening and require a stipend. So in my practice of law, which is uh, litigation, a lot of law students know that, um, or they've heard that while they really should go and try to work for a prosecutor's office or a public defender or an AG or city attorney or something like that as an intern uh, so that they can uh, get trial experience. Okay, first of all, again, A, piddly amount of money paid, if at all, and B, with an externship, I forgot to tell you this, you also get to pay tuition to the school for the privilege of them not teaching you anything. I just, it's so money driven in bizarre ways that are unfair and it doesn't get challenged. So I'm just going to have my say here because it's a, it's a podcast. Anyway, prosecutor's office, public defender's office. Let me just say this. Yes, you get to have experience in court with traffic tickets or minor misdemeanors. And if that floats your boat, go do it. Uh, but that doesn't make that any kind of a great, uh, you know, someone that's had a, if I see a resume from someone and they went to the prosecutor's office for three months to do uh, externship or internship, it, it doesn't add anything to their value as far as I'm concerned. They're not briefing. They're not writing a lot of legal memos. They are in there doing traffic tickets. And in, in the real world, that's not. That's not how uh, law firms are able to exist is by defending or prosecuting traffic tickets. It's just, it's, it's, it's going to give you a false sense of comfort. Maybe you just like being in the courtroom. That's fine. Just 
take it for what it is then. It's an opportunity to rub elbows with people that are in the courtroom and a bunch of people that didn't pay their parking tickets. I don't hate law schools. But in 35 years, I have not seen growth in law schools. They are very slow to change. I uh, taught for seven years at the University of Washington, and it was super difficult uh, to um, get change. And I was only an adjunct in trial advocacy. Uh, but I could see what was going on. It's still the same. Maybe they have some different names of courses. Um, maybe they have become more diverse in terms of their students to a certain degree. Maybe they don't rank students anymore like they used to. Students having to go out there and find out what their rankings were because the big firms would only take the people in the top rank. And maybe law schools haven't changed because of the big firms. Because the big firms are still this kind of godly-like phenomenon that everybody that's a lawyer or in law school aspires to be in a big firm. As long as that's the goal for those who can, as long as that is something that is held up as being just so awesomely worthy and the teachers and the career counselors and law school deans and everyone keeps feeding into that myth that the big firms are the, the, the best thing to aspire to. I don't know that law school is going to change much. It's been a long time since I've been in law school and I don't have any suggestions on how they can change other than looking at their model, seeing what they're teaching kids or young adults or older adults to aspire to, thinking about whether that's really a good thing. I've, I've heard that Seattle U now has other things that they want people to aspire to, social services, social justice, giving back to the community, all worthy. But who are the names of the people on their donor sites? Who are the people with their names on the doors, the plaques? Over and out.